This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 350. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are giving you the penultimate of a three-part series that we're doing for what we're dubbing March Madness, a look at serial killers in horror movies. This penultimate episode increases the body count over our previous one, but we still ain't getting too gory. I was going to give you the gory one first and then kind of lean back on this and I was like, you know what? No, that's not how we do things under the stairs. Let's build this motherfucker. So we'll be giving you a look at Don Burnside, our second serial killer. He's from the movie The Clove Hitch Killer. And um, his origins, weirdly, um, are very much based in real life. And fact, for those that don't know, this guy based off the infamous BTK killer Dennis Rader. We will be talking about his body count. We'll be talking about the methodology. We'll be talking about the movie after the first break. Before we get to that, as always, let's catch up with where we are under the stairs in this brand new week, starting right here with this episode. On Tuesday, you will be getting a little bit of broadcast signal. It's a movie that gets released Friday this week in the UK, so you'll be getting my review of that coming your way tomorrow. On Thursday, you get your final instalment of our look at these March Madness serial killers and we getting bloody ladies and gents oh and I can't wait to get bloody with you guys out there and that's it that's your lot from under the stairs this week on the teapots collective oh you're getting a lot of content once again all crammed into ostensibly the last week of the month I need to do my scheduling better and I will I promise you one day I promise I will uh, tomorrow, you're getting where to begin with. We're looking at strangers on a train, which is, funnily enough, about killing. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing your reviews of Chinatown. So that will be coming tomorrow. Then on Friday, you'll be getting a little bit of Chronicle. And on this episode, it features longtime collaborator from Podcast Under the Stairs, The Baz. And we sat down and talked about the original. Dutch movie The Vanishing from 1988 and then on Monday next week you'll be getting a little bit of doing the nasty and that's you all caught up ladies and gents we're going to take a very short break just now you're going to hear promos for shows that I love you're going to hear the trailer for the Clovich Killer when we return we are discussing that and more importantly our killer right after this hello this is the doom show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking America we don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? 
I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? <laughs> we got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. You are the best young lady that he has brought home to meet us. Also the only one. Dad. Not tying exemplifies the strength of a troop or family. How come Dad doesn't have to help with couponing? Because your father has his own hobbies. You know about that clovage stuff, right? Ten official victims. No fingerprints, no blood. Just the clovage tied to every victim's house. I've been meaning to talk to you. You know we're made in God's image. But men like you and me, we got thoughts. I don't think he stopped killing. I think there's more than 10 victims. You can't control what pops into your head, right? He has pictures. I mean, what if a thought popped into your head right now, a bad thought? Does that look like your father's handwriting? Something like grabbing one of these tools and wham! There. Awkward talk with dad. Over. You think your dad is Clovich? I don't know. Something's not enough. Something bad. He's insane. It's just my dad. Maybe you don't know what a normal dad is like. She's manipulating you. there, bud. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, here we go. Uh, the Clovitch Killer. Now, let's give you the movie details and then let's get to our killer himself. This one is directed by Duncan Skillers based on the screenplay or story by Christopher Ford. The movie itself stars Dylan McDermott. We're going to be talking about him quite a bit because he plays Don Burnside. But it stars Charlie Plummer, Samantha Mathis, Madison Beatty, Brennan Sherman, Lance Chantelles Wertz, Emma Jones, Jonathan K. Riggs, Kat Perez, Janet Scott, Mark A. E. Nash, Stan Simonov, Michael Uguera, 
and Mike Cortez and there are some other folks in here. We ain't going to spend time on that though. Synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as a picture-perfect family is shattered when the work of a serial killer hits too close to home. So, um, we'll do a little bit of chatting about the old killer here. We'll be talking body count. We'll be talking methodology. We'll be getting into all that stuff that we enjoy. And then I'll tell you my thoughts on the movie. Now, I think I may have reviewed this a long time ago. Roughly about the time the movie came out, which is at this stage, what, 2017, 2018? So a fair few years ago now. Um... Uh, it's very difficult to tack, uh, kind of tackle the Don Burnside character without mentioning BTK because that is essentially what he is based on. Um, we join the kind of story on this movie about, what, 10 years after the previous killing um, of this very, very famous serial killer in this small Kentucky town called Clovehitch Killer, um, who has been kind of attributed to 10 deaths of female victims. Although, as this moves on, we find that the number's actually uh, a little bit higher. Let's put it that way. He's maybe killed a little bit more than we think he has. Um... His MO is that he gains entry into uh, a woman's property. Um, it looks like he may have been stalking them for a while. And then he uh, kills them by various different means of torture, ultimately strangling them. And uh, the, the, his kind of signature mark here is the knot that he uses in the ropes that he either ties them up or strangles them with, which is done in a clove hitch, which I didn't know what that was. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Um, turns out it's one of these things that you learn if you do the Boy Scouts or or all those different things. Um, I am not, I was never in the Boy Scouts or any of that stuff, so knots for me, I they all look the same. I'm sure they have different purposes, but to me, they all look the same. So, as the kind of movie progresses, you are very quickly introduced to um, Tyler Burnside, who is the son of Don Burnside, uh, the killer, and we get this kind of idea relatively early on that Don is a squeaky clean guy. He heads the Boy Scouts, so he's the leader of that, very active in the church. Uh, once again, two things that were prominent in the, the later life of one Dennis Raider, aka BTK. And, you know, has a family, he's well-to-do, active in the community, is employed as a handyman. Just everyone loves this guy. And his son, Tyler, starts to think that maybe his dad is involved somehow. Mostly because as he's flirting with a girl in his dad's van, he finds a, a kind of crumpled up picture stuffed down the back of one of the chairs of uh, a woman in bondage. And then starts to think that maybe, at first, that maybe his dad's into some kinky sex. And then that starts to spiral out. He makes the acquaintance 
of this girl called Cassie, who turns out to be essentially the... We find out later on that her mum was a non-reported victim of the Clovehitch killer, and she has become obsessed with this case, and she kind of stalks the local neighbourhoods, trying to see if she can crack the case herself. She becomes friends with Tyler, um, although never fully romantically linked, it's kind of insinuated that they are, and she at first is kind of like, your dad's not the Clovehitch killer, and they start their own investigation. Now we're going to park the rest of that conversation for the actual discussion on the movie. Um, the character of Don Burnside is played by Dylan McDermott and what I would argue is a fucking great role. Um, I always liked him as an actor, but I think he really delivers the kind of duality of the well-to-do, likeable, at times almost Ned Flanders-esque character. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, this, this other side, this dark side that looks, you know, just just beneath the surface that genuinely can only get off um, at the thought or actions of some very nasty, tortuous, sexual, depraved acts. Uh, which are not depraved if you're into it, if you're into a bit of bondage and a bit of tying up, fair play to you. Uh, each to their own. Um, if you like it getting a little bit kinky, why not? But if that involves you being murdered then I would argue that that is a line that we should draw in the sand and not cross over that line. Ultimately um, it appears that Don has been managing to maintain a relatively how do we describe it? Sedate life I think is probably the best way to do it. He obviously longs to still be a killer but he's built this He's built this secret compartment under his shed outside. Once again, very similar to BTK. BTK had a treehouse, I think it was, where he would go up there and there was a locked chest in there that contained a lot of things he'd stolen from um, trophies, basically. It was mostly things like driver's licenses, which is what they use in this movie. So once again, linking back to the ideas of BTK. But also a kind of crawl space under his house, which is very, actually is very John Wayne Gacy. And in there he has built all these different contraptions and all the rest. And this is where he stores all his trophies from the murders that he does. The idea being that because it's underneath the house, he can get down there relatively easy, relive the fantasy and jerk it out, essentially. Um, it's not until he destroys these trophies that we see him not be able to get up for sex with his wife, become generally irritable, and essentially get to the point where he plans his next murder, his first murder after 10 years. Now, it's also worth saying there is nothing in this to say that he wasn't killing before these 10 people or wasn't killing after. Certainly what we get from the Cassie character is this idea that he killed out with the local town that he lived in, and as a result of that, it was never attributed to him. So the numbers that we have for him, whilst it says 10 in here, I think is closer between 13 and 15 in the movie, from the driver's licenses that are spot there. Once again, that's 
only going on those driver's licenses, there's a very, very good chance that there may have been more. And that's what makes him quite a scary killer. There's uh, prevailing theories that go around to say that Dennis Rader himself could have killed more than what he actually said he did. I think he was originally nine, I think, nine, nine murders, between nine and eleven. Uh, but they thought the number could be higher. The idea being, though, that Raider was quite vocal once he was captured, that they kind of think that had he killed more, he would have been a, a bit more outspoken about it. But sometimes killers keep the ones that they don't want public, you know, the embarrassing ones, or the ones that they are essentially ashamed of, tends to be murder of children, a secret, because they don't want that tarnishing their legacy, which seems like a really weird foreign thing to say when relating to a serial killer. So that's kind of Don. Like, Don is a, a kind of quasi-version of BTK, a sexual sadist who gets off on the slow torture and asphyxiation of women that he genuinely stalks. He has a journal that he keeps. Once again, this is very much like BTK. BTK had all these different uh, projects that he had where he would stalk women and tail them for weeks and weeks and then ultimately act when he thought the moment was right. Also, he would do it in daylight, which is what's kind of done in this movie. So, you know, that's that's how he leans down. BTK stopped killing for, uh, it was like close to 20 years um, before he came out of his kind of quasi-retirement. Not to kill, but because someone was writing a book on him and he was he was unhappy that someone was getting press on the murders that he created and then ultimately made a huge mistake which got him caught. And the case of this one is the huge mistake of killing some 10 years afterwards and thinking that he had dissuaded his child from thinking it was him. And that's Don Burnside, a really cool killer to be honest in a movie the reason I think it works so well is its simplicity towards the character. It's handled in a way which you kind of feel could be real. But at the same time, because it's grounded in reality, this idea of... And it's it's not just a, well, you're looking too much into this. At some point, he builds this weird bondage contraption and puts like a weird lady mask over to take Polaroids of himself. BTK did that. So it's definitely grounded in the idea that, you know, this is based on a real killer for the most part. I would argue as there is a BTK movie out there in which um, Kane Hodder plays Dennis Rader and it's so over the top and rub that is rubbish. It's fucking shit. This is, this kind of indie quirky horror movie is more in line weirdly with the sort of guy that Dennis Rader actually was. He was never really this kind of evil boogeyman. He was just fucking for all intents and purposes dork um as dork that just had meticulous planning and as a result of that you know it made him a very 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 evil human being um the movie itself i have a lot of time for this movie it almost made its way into summer series for 2018 the reason behind it is because it has that indie aesthetic that we all kind of love um you know, I kind of quirk about it that, you know, like movies like I'm Not a Serial Killer has that sort of vibe about it. It has a kind of sepia wash over the camera, which I, I really like. It has great character performances here. Like we mentioned before, Del McDermott is great. Madison Beatty, who plays uh, Cassie, is great. Charlie Plummer as Tyler Burnside, the son, 
great as well. It kind of goes down one road where you think you know what's kind of happening and then it plays with an idea of, well, this whole section of the movie that you thought was happening this way, actually something was happening in the background. So it takes an almost kind of 35 minute detour to catch back up to a central point and it ends in a very, very, very dark place. Um, I think the script is very tight, surprisingly well delivered. I think it's scored beautifully, cinematography is great. It just holds together as a really interesting look at the impact on the family that, like, the, the idea of a, a parent of a serial killer would have. Also, on top of that as well, it toys with the ideas of what the effect would be on a family if a serial killer was known to come out. Something we don't think about a lot, I think, when we tackle serial killers in not only our media, but in real life as well. Like, I love true crime documentaries. I love true crime podcasts. We never spend a huge amount of time talking about the family of a serial killer. Talk about the family of the loved ones and the victims, but we're never talking about the family of the serial killer. And I think that's because we kind of want to shield them. We don't want them painted with the, the, the brush of the actions of someone despicable. We kind of want them to have a normal life where possible. And this kind of toys with that. And it's in a lot of respects how the movie ends up where it ends at the end, which... I won't spoil it, but it has a very interesting ending. One that you would kind of feel like we shouldn't get, but in a weird way, I think it's just and right. Uh, the Clawfish Killer, great movie. It's available on Amazon Prime in the UK. I think it's available on Amazon Prime in the States as well. And it was put out by IFC Midnight in the, in the States. So definitely one you should check out for sure. It's a movie that Stephen King enjoyed. He said it was an excellent small movie, unbearably suspenseful and not for the faint of heart. Um, a lot, An excellent small movie. Um you know kind of punching down at it but at the same time raising it up uh, uh, yeah it's a great movie and like I say it's got a, a it's not one you could revisit a lot because that twist that it has in the middle it's not even a twist it's the way that they play with the concept of what you think is happening and then go back to deliver the run up to it from a different perspective I think works really really well the first time you watch it and if you give it enough time before your second or your third watch then it will work maybe not as well as it did the first time but will work I think if you were watching this two or three times within like a year I I think it lessens itself for sure so there we go in terms of the movie I would give this movie a 4.5 out of 5 and for the killer this is a fucking 5 I think Don Burnside is a great murderer you only get one death in this movie right but the descriptions and the pictures of what he does, coupled with what we actually see him do in the one murder in this movie, is kind of terrifying. There's a sadisticness of it, especially from an audience perspective, of you know that he is toying with this woman, and then you get the next level of kind of what he's doing, and it's all kind of horrible. And there's a point where he, you know, he actually puts a plastic bag over a helplessly restrained woman. And you imagine that that might not be the end of what he's going to do. He might 
continue on with this, but he's stopped before he can. And what were those things he might do after the after the fact? And that's kind of terrifying. I, I find them a genuinely scary killer. And it's Dylan McDermott, who I do not find a scary actor, but he scares me in this movie. So that's kind of fucking awesome. So yeah, a five for the killer, a 4.5 for the movie. I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 350, the penultimate in our March Madness serial killers and horror movies series. One episode left to go before the end of the month. It is dropping for you, ladies and gents, this coming Thursday. Delivering the goods for you out there. You're welcome, by the way. You're fucking welcome. The next one is a bit more vicious, so strap yourself in for that. There's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to this right now, subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Don't stop there. Subscribe to our sister feed, The Teapot's Collective. Over there, you get shows like Opera Omnia, Where to Begin With, Chronicle, and of course, Doing the Nasty. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. If you do not like using podcatchers to find your podcasts, you find them all relatively confusing, then visit our website, teapotscast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to an additional show that I did not mention. It's called Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts. It's a booze-based banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil, where we get too drunk, yes, too drunk. We talk about terrible life choices, like getting drunk on a podcast. We do weird news stories from around the globe and read out your listener emails as well. Jaws is shite and other regrettable outbursts exclusively available on teapotscast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to interact with me there for podcasts under the stairs, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast. The Teapots Collective is just a Facebook page, so it's facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. And for the mucky pups over at Jaws's Shite, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. If you don't like Facebook, who can blame you? No one likes Facebook, but we're all addicted to it. You can, of course, interact with us on our twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at teapotscast. Myself and Baz are the admins over there, so you're chatting directly with us. The next episode of the podcast Under the Stairs will drop tomorrow. It is a look at the upcoming movie released this Friday, Broadcast Signal. It is a quirky, fun and genuinely creepy in parts movie that I'm looking forward to reviewing for you guys tomorrow. So until then, whatever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>